Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Premier League Preview. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily Premier League Preview Show. I'm Adam Brown and as a lot of us start winding down for the festive period, there's no let up in the Premier League. Uh, we've got loads to talk about this weekend. All the Premier League action, including a game where both teams are hoping for, let's say, a Christmas miracle in the form of a new manager uh, as Everton host Arsenal. Plus, we've got a race for the second place, is what I like to call it. Although nothing is set in stone. Uh, Man City versus Leicester. And also, uh, in what seems like a plot borrowed straight from a start, Star Wars film, we've got Master versus Apprentice as uh, Jose Mourinho's Tottenham go up against Chelsea. Uh, so we've got loads to get through, loads to uh, focus on this weekend and it's far too much work for one man to take on himself. Uh, so I'm joined today uh, by Sam Lee, Manchester City correspondent for The Athletic. Hello. Also uh, Jack Gorn as well, uh, Northern football reporter for The Daily Mail. Hello. And uh, Fergal Brennan as well, broadcast journalist for Football Social Daily. Hello. So it's a big, big weekend in the Premier League and I like this time of year especially because... You know, and everyone else starts kind of winding down and relaxing, but the Premier League just gets more and more intense, and I like it. I'm excited. It's football all the time, and that's what I love. There's a great weekend of games as well. It, it is, yeah. Do you know what? I think we should start off with um, a game which is going to be, let's let's face it, focusing around the managers. Uh, Everton versus Arsenal. Obviously, we've had the, you know, two, uh, two kind of clubs that have gone through a kind of strange season so far and obviously they've made the changes they're looking to make the changes obviously Ancelotti's kind of up in the air still the news about Mikel Arteta I suppose a good thing really is to start with what do we make of the news first and foremost I knew it was coming it's been confirmed we're in it's a three year deal Sam what do you make of it? Uh, well, I think I'd like to take as read now that all the listeners know that Arteta is a good coach and what he's done yep. at City it's, there's been so much of it all week there's been you know, I've written stuff about it before in the past obviously now loads of people are paying attention because of the whole Arsenal thing Um Surely now everybody knows what he's going to bring. You know, he's this kind of Guardiola style of play. He's really good communicator, really hands-on, popular with the players, that kind of stuff. So what do I make of it? I actually think, I know some people are worried about his inexperience and you never really know. I think it's a good move for Arsenal. You know, I think it's what they need. I think he can come in. I think he'll shake things up. 
you know, because he's not just he's not just this nice guy with nice footballing ideas. He will tell him what needs to be done. I think he, he won't take any prisoners in that sense. I think he's exactly what Arsenal need. He'll give him a bit of structure and a bit of discipline. Do you agree with that, Jack? Do you think he's what Arsenal need, or do you see it's a bit of a risk? Well, it's a, it's a massive gamble. It's a huge risk. But there's quite a few people that say he'll, he'll definitely be a success because he's been a great coach at City. And there's also loads of people that are saying he'll fail because he's never managed before. But the reality is that nobody nobody knows either way. And I think Arsenal kind of almost needed to take this sort of risk and this sort of gamble because what they were doing before just wasn't working. And if they give him a clean slate and say, right, you've got two or three years to really kind of form your own squad and form your own team behind you and stick with him no matter what, then they'll give themselves a better opportunity to kind of succeed. I mean, do you think he's going to get the two or three years, though? Because Arsenal were probably the last club, you know, obviously with the whole Wenger situation, they were arguably the last team in the Premier League that had that ability to, you know, keep a manager and give the manager time. Obviously, with Emery, he didn't get much time at yeah. all. But Arteta has got the you know the the link to the club previously. He played for him. He's you know he's, he's loved there, isn't he? And judging by what he's been saying in the press conferences, you know he's going to get the best out of Özil. Yeah. He understands the fans' concerns. He, is he just saying what they want to hear, or do you think that he is the man for Arsenal? Um, it's a bit of both. I, I'll be honest and say you know, I said it on the, the podcast yesterday that I was had some misgivings about him coming in as Arsenal manager, but that's not based on Mikel Arteta and his abilities. That's based on the situation, the, the the mess that Arsenal find themselves in. But I agree with what Sam said before, and you only have to look at the press conference to see what a good communicator he is. And you just get the sense with him that he's not just, you know, shouting his mouth off. He's not just firing buzzwords out at journalists. He actually believes in what he's saying and he's he really is focused on what he wants to do. He's got a plan in place. It is going to take time to implement this. It's going to take time to get his, his methods on board with the players. It's going to take time for all these things to come together. I'll admit that there are some misgivings and it's not based on the experience issue because for me, you have to be a coach before you become a manager. You know, you have to start somewhere essentially. I My only concern is the situation at Arsenal is quite toxic at the moment. How he deals with that toxicity is probably going to decide how successful he ultimately is. But in terms of what he's been saying in his press conference, in terms of the vibe that he's given off, I think even... En- you know, I've been listening to Tottenham fans on Twitter even saying that they're excited about it. And you know, when you're hearing that, you think, wow, something, something's, <laughs> something's either wrong here or something's really right. Sam, how good is he? Because you, you sometimes see these uh, coaches that have been a number two or you know, they've been in the sort of the background. It, has he, is he the real deal? Can he make that transition to be manager? Well, you- like I say, nobody knows. But what kind of gives me heart is... On top of all the coaching and you know the ideas and how he gets across to the players, is like I say, he's his own man. He has got his own ideas and he's not like a shrinking violet. He's not normally with a number two. You know they can be like quite kind of quiet guys. They'll go and mm. maybe give an opinion and then go back into the background. But you know, Arteta will tell Guardiola <laughs> if he thinks Guardiola's doing something wrong. And if, you know, I think he is ready to go out into the world of coaching and and do it himself because yeah, he's not just this kind of typical assistant character that just goes along and maybe is a bit of a yes man or isn't comfortable holding a room I think he definitely is so that's why I mean he's only 37 years old you know everyone's focused on the inexperience and the fact he's never been a manager the fact he's 37 on his own is crazy but yeah I think I think he's ready to do it the one really good thing he did at City was he, with Pep is that he picked his moments when to tell him so he, he's quite good at gauging moods because obviously Pep's quite a difficult character to, to deal with and he knew when to say that things needed altering or changing and he knew when to take a step back and allow Pep to kind of get on with what he was doing. And if he if he translates that to how he handles players, then he might be a really quite a good man manager. Yeah. I mean, what what do you think he 
what do you think he needs to do? Like, obviously, he's, he's the man. He's got the three-year deal. What are the three <clears> things you think, Fogel, that he needs to do at Arsenal to sort of not even not even steady the ship because it shouldn't really be a, a ship steadying yeah. process. This is a this is a huge club who should be right up there in the top four minimum. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, three things, probably top of my head, I would say defensively is the, the biggest area of concern in the team at the moment. Yes, they've had issues uh, under Youngberg's interim tenure, but there's still goals in this team. There's still mm. players that you can generally hang your hat on to get goals, to, to win games. Uh, but at the back, it's, it's an absolute shambles. And again, it's some of it's down to individuals, some of it's down to organisation. And, and I think a lot of it is just cohesion. There's, there's so many times you see in games under Youngberg and, and the, the last few days under Unai Emery have just an offside line that was all over the place, fullbacks not staying tight to their centre-back, midfielders dropping in and not really showing where they should be, no one organising at the corners and free kicks. And that's something that I think he will bring. And I think his, his coaching background, the fact that he does, or sorry, has dealt with the nuts and bolts of these types of things at Manchester City, will mean that he's immediately able to implement that to Arsenal. Uh, secondly, young players... Um, we do have quite a good crop of young players coming yeah. through at the moment. They've been given a bit of game time under Emery and, and Youngberg, but I think he's the, exactly the type of person that they'll look to and go, wow, yes, we want to play for you. Uh, and then lastly, I'd say making a decision on which of the senior players that have been an issue over the last couple of years. You mentioned Ozil, obviously there's a situation with Granit Xhaka, even potentially Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. He has to make a decision which of these he's going to keep, which he's going to look to move on. I don't expect him to do an absolute squad overhaul. Yep. He's going to have to make a balanced decision on, can this player turn the corner? Can this player get on board with what I'm trying to do? And is this one not going to? Well, then they're going to move on. Yeah, I've really thought your three was going to be uh, get rid of Xhaka, get rid of Mustafi and get rid of Ozil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that That's just, kind of all rolled into yeah, number yeah, three. That, that was just my, uh, my, my, my three kind of things that you should do at the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> but obviously, folks on this weekend's game, uh, move on to Everton as well. They're in a bit of a, a pickle themselves, aren't they? The whole sort of transitional um, kind of process they're going through. But the bit of a Duncan Ferguson revolution, is it going to continue this weekend, possibly? I um, think so. He's yeah, doing all I right. Think, Do you know what I mean? I think Arsenal he's, aren't going to be anywhere. No, right. well, there might be a bit of a. Oh, okay, Mikel's here, so he better have a go. But <laughs> yeah. I don't, there's not going to be any extra organisation or anything like no, that. And Everton, no. it's at Everton, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, Goodison, yeah. yeah, they're going to be going for it. You know, it's the whole. It's just the kind of Duncan Ferguson meeting potatoes, get the ball forward, everyone giving it a go, and I just think that's going to be too much. Certainly for a team like if they beat Chelsea, they can beat Arsenal. Well, that was that's the main. That was the main thing he's done or has done since he came in. He knew it was only going to be a really short term thing so he's got the players playing really kind of high tempo and he understands that you have to have that crowd on on side because if they're not on side you're almost playing against 12 men because Goodison can be horrible to play in if they're against the home team I mean obviously the talk of Ancelotti it seems like it's a a done deal Um, we're still waiting on the, the confirmations and whatever else to come through but I mean, it's quite bizarre to, to think that a club can go from Duncan Ferguson to Carlo Ancelotti as your manager. That's still spinning my head out a bit, I'll be honest with you. I mean, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> well, no, no, having you... those two on the same coaching staff. Oh, yeah, really I'd, I'd love to be just in, Imagine you know, the team the, meetings. I'd love to be in the meetings. I'd love it. It'd be absolutely brilliant. But what, what I mean, what do you, do you make of this? I don't want to focus on too much because I'm sure you know we've gone over before about Ancelotti, but are they, I think Everton the dragging their feet a little bit now what, what what's the reason it's not kind of being pushed through well the club have been quite cryptic I was saying this to somebody this morning I, I cover Merseyside football through work and uh, the press release that we get of a Thursday morning has been the same for the last month of press release regarding the manager's situation open scroll up Duncan Ferguson's charge this weekend uh, I'm, I'm waiting for that email to send you know that they're not just copy and pasting it in um, I think this could potentially drag on for another week um, I don't think they're in as 
in terms of performances and results, they're not in as, as desperate a situation as Arsenal to get a manager's situation sorted. Uh, and also Ferguson... Youngberg's been quite ambiguous about what was happening. I also think he didn't really know himself. The club haven't been really straight with him, whereas Ferguson has. He said, I don't have the experience for this job. We you know, we need the manager. I think he said, we need the best manager in the world, managing Everton Football Club. Um, they might not be too far away from that if they get in yeah. someone like Carlo Ancelotti. But I do expect it to be done and dusted probably next week. But it, it will drag on a little bit longer for as long as Ferguson's keeping this positivity around the ground. And as Sam said, at Goodison Park, that Chelsea game... Everton fans couldn't stop talking about that in the days afterwards. That's what he'll be aiming for again. He'll he'll just say that to the players. Go and do what you did against Chelsea. Arsenal are here for the taking. They've got their own problems. Just go and win the game. It's weird, right? And look, I'm a big Ancelotti fan. I think he's fantastic. Not not disputing anything that he's done. But I, I saw an interesting thing a while back saying about Everton almost to take a step back, to take a step forward. I know it sounds counterintuitive and a little bit strange, but in a weird way, do you reckon there's anyone who would kind of think... I prefer Ferguson to Ancelotti. I'm not. No. Do you know? I'm not, listen, what I'm saying to you is, his for, the way that Ferguson can set Everton up is kind of what Everton need at the moment. I think. Look at Ancelotti where he's been previously at his clubs yeah. that he's been to. Has he ever had a project that's been like Everton as such in the state that Everton are in currently? No. So do you know? I don't know. I mean, no, I agree with that. But it just the whole Ferguson thing and the way he handled the Moyes Keane thing at Old Trafford—that was bad. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, and you know, Jamie Carragher did a good analysis of it. But it was kind of like, well, you know, he's really desperate to get the points for Everton. He loves Everton, so you know, he, he's made the decision to take him off again. But loads of managers are desperate to get the points for yeah. their team, and they might not be happy with the way a substitution's gone, and they've not brought somebody back off. And also, even if they did, there's a way of handling it. And I think that's when to show that, you know, Ferguson, maybe it, it meant so much to him, and maybe the anger, you know, the, the red mist kind of descended a bit. So yeah. he didn't didn't even go to say, look, sorry, sorry, kid, but you're coming off, this is why. It was just kind of, well, you've you've done me over there. Yeah. And I just think that kind of shows his inexperience. We're talking about yeah. Mikel Arteta and man management earlier. I think if that's allowed to go on, it's kind of sink or swim, and a lot of players might enjoy that. But I'm just thinking, if Ferguson was a manager for any length of time, that <clears> might blow up and that might backfire. Um, obviously, I completely see what you mean about Ancelotti because there, there isn't really any parallel. But it's certainly... I think with his experience, it's certainly worth a go. You know, his experience as a coach, the quality of players he's worked with, whether we can work with players who are less good, that is that is the main question. But I'd, I would rather have Ancelotti than, yeah. than Ferguson, <laughs> yeah. to be I think, fair. I think if, if Ferguson had been equipped to become the manager, he'd have been the manager by now. Because Everton have been desperate to get um, kind of club legends involved. Like, mm. you look at David Unsworth, had a go a yeah, few years course, ago, didn't yeah. he? And they, were, they really wanted him to do well and realised it, it was never going to happen. And yeah. I think it would have been the same with Ferguson if he'd been given a couple of months because the performances they just kind of trail off if, they, if they're so reliant on energy yeah. and that aggression yeah. that is obviously going to drop off at some point and I don't know whether he's got the skills to find new ways of playing or winning Yeah So how do we see the game going to wrap, wrap up in this game? Um, I, I think it's going to be an Everton win I do uh, Obviously as the guys have just said a lot of the what Ferguson has brought to Everton is this energy and this aggression, but that's all they need at the moment against an Arsenal side that are, that are in disarray. We saw how bad they were against Manchester City last weekend. No fight, no organisation, no application to the task at hand. And I think Ferguson, as I said before, will simply just have to say that to the players. Go out, work hard, look to unsettle their back four. And and I think I think I don't think Arsenal are going to lose as heavily or play as poorly as we did against Manchester City, but I think Everton have got enough to win it. We all saying Everton going to win. 
Yeah, I think so. Draw. Draw. Okay. Right, okay, we'll move on to another game uh, which happened this weekend. Uh, Manchester City versus Leicester. I mentioned it was the uh, race for second place. That's what I'm calling it. And I'm a City <laughs> fan. I'm a City <laughs> fan and it pains me to say that. Uh, so, I don't know. Look, what what do we think is at stake in this game? It's going to be an interesting one in the sense that, you know... <laughs> Look back to the Manchester derby. We saw a little bit of vulnerability around City, and you know when when the pressure's put on him, they didn't kind of stand the test really against United. Did in a lot of ways. So do you think Brendan Rodgers will take a lot of uh, you know a lot from that, and maybe will he go for City? How do you think he's going to set up tomorrow? What what do you think it's going to be? I think he will. I think it makes sense. I mean, Leicester are probably the perfect team, other than Liverpool, to exploit these City weaknesses. You know, you mentioned the derby there. It's not just the derby though, is it? You no. Know? A lot of teams this season have had joy against City just playing through them, whether it's counter-attacks or just playing out from the back. And Leicester can do both. Um, Rodgers isn't stupid, obviously. Um, I can see Leicester having a lot of joy against City. I don't know how City are going to set up. If they set up like they did against Arsenal, I think they'll be a bit better equipped. Um, but either way, I think Leicester are going to give City real problems. And yeah, I think they, I think they will go for it, play on the front foot. They can, they can press and cause City problems in their own half or you know they can play out from the back and... And even when they're sitting back and defending, if they give the ball away on the edge of the boxes, they've been doing quite a bit, you know, when they're failing to break teams down. Leicester can spring from that as well. So there's loads of different ways that Leicester can hurt City. And yeah, I think I think Rodgers would be silly to, I don't know, to sit back and change it, change it, you know, keep doing what you've been doing. I think that we just, well, not just fine, but they've certainly got a chance of being just fine. Yeah, I mean, it's testament to Brendan Rodgers and, and, and how good Leicester in this season to think that we're even considering that Leicester might, get a result there do you, do you know what I mean I don't, yeah. they've been amazing this season but normally you know if you say to me two or three seasons ago uh, Leicester are coming to play City I'd go oh well no, yeah and do you know what, do you know what I mean <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, yeah, not yeah. in an arrogant way but you just assume you, you, so you're to blame that's what it is pretty, yeah, you've got any Man yeah. City fans you're to blame pretty much yeah uh, no but I mean Jack how, how do you see this going if you're uh, Guardiola are you worrying about what Leicester are going to bring yeah I think you worry because Leicester have been great this year but weirdly kind of in opposition to what Sam was saying, I think they might be, if City are at it, I think Leicester might actually be the perfect opponents. Because if they come and press them and City play quickly out from the back, and Fernandinho will be quite a big player with this, if Fernandinho's on it and quick on the ball, then they might be able to play through Leicester a little bit. So, I don't know, it kind of depends what kind of City turns up. Because mm. quite a lot of teams did attempt to press them or have attempted to press them over the last two years up until this year. Mm when kind of lower teams have just sat in and waited, haven't they? But I think City, I don't know, it, a lot of it is dependent on how they play out from the back. And it was interesting during the first half of the United game the other week when Stones played, Pep was going absolutely mental at Stones for not playing the ball quickly enough and getting it wide. And he just wants that kind of tempo up a couple of notches, which he's not had for months and months. Yeah, I think, do you think I'm right in saying that Leicester will almost kind of force City to play that way as well because they'll be so quick and it, a lot of it's going to depend on the, the lineups. I think, with Leicester. Yeah. I think, I think <clears> Rodgers, I mean, you've got to be putting the, the, the pacey wingers out there for me and, you know, get Harvey Barnes in, get, you know, Perez playing and have Vardy running. I mean, he, we've seen a slight difference. He's been tweaking it a little bit, haven't yeah. he, recently, Rodgers? Watching, do you think it's the right... What what's the right way for him to move forward against City? I think would be to revert back to type a little bit. He's brought Dennis Pratt in and, and Clichy Inacho in for the last couple of games, and they've been playing with two up front of Vardy and Inacho. And Inacho's got a couple of goals, and, and he looks to be getting a bit of confidence back into himself. Dennis Pratt, who came in in the summer, hasn't really played a lot of football, but 
the way they were playing on that fantastic run of form prior to the last two games where they've drawn and then needed penalties to beat Everton in the Carabao Cup in midweek, that was with Harvey Barnes and Perez either side of Vardy, pressing full-backs, running in behind, looking to benefit from errors. And I think if Leicester are going to go along this line of City are going to give us something, at some point in the game there's going to be a loose ball out from Fernandinho or one of the full-backs, they're the players to be winning that because Dennis Pratt hasn't got the pace to run in behind. Kilichi and Acho is going to be wanting to get next to Vardy. He's not going to want to go and press uh, right back or a left back or or look to do that job. That's that's not something he's comfortable with. And as Jack said, for Man City, if they look to come through the midfield, they're going to have to obviously break that initial press. But then if they do, I agree with Jack. I think they can exploit Leicester because Leicester play with normally just a single hold midfielder in Wilfred and Diddy. Yuri Tillemans likes to bomb forward. James Madison's quite static as a number 10 in terms of where he plays. He likes to get the ball into his feet and get on the turn. If City can break that initial press, they could find themselves in a two-on-one situation against Ndidi. And as good as Kaglos Soyuncu and Johnny Evans have been this season, mobility's not their big thing. They like crossing into the box to deal with. They like to come out and meet the ball. If the ball starts getting zipped around in front of them on the edge of their own 18-yard box, City could have City could have a real way in. So well, in terms of lineups, looking like David Silva's out, uh, Aguero's possibly on the bench. Um, I think that's going to affect things moving forward. I mean, line, I think for me, the, the, the team selection is going to just be the key, uh, I think. Yeah. And it's going, to both, tell yeah. Us, yeah, it's going to tell us a lot about how the game's going to go. Um, Sam, how's that going to impact things, you think, with you know City moving forward? Because, I mean, obviously, Gabriel Jesus has been... He's been all right. That's the I thing think. with Jay yeah. He's yeah. been all right. He's been all right. I mean, how, how, do you see, how do you see this going from a, a City attacking perspective? Well, I really think they should play the same team as they played at Arsenal. It just, they just looked a bit of balance to it. But then I can't see... I think they took Foden off against Arsenal early on so he yeah. could play the 90 minutes against Oxford, which sounds weird. But in terms of his development, not physically developed enough to play three lots of 90 minutes in a week. So I'd be surprised then, having played in midweek, if he starts again... Uh, but I would like to see I think an interesting one the only change I could be confident in him making is um, Zinchenko at left back because then it's just another player who's comfortable on the ball another player who can go into midfield and shore things up which has been the whole problem for City this season the midfield has just been so open the defence has been exposed as a result um, I think he should stick with the setup against Arsenal Arsenal played into City's hands um, like the guys are saying if, if Leicester press and City can get through them City will be alright but I just think Leicester are more organised I don't think there's going to be the big gaps behind that press like Arsenal had but I just think it's the best setup City have got at the minute there's not much they can do in terms of mixing it around up front um, you know there's Aguero's probably not fit enough to start Sane's not going to be there so it's going to be Jesus and Sterling but it just depends yeah where what the positions are on the pitch I think he should do that 4-2-3-1 um, I think anything else I, I do honestly think City are going to be in real trouble the only way is if they just turn up and all of a sudden they're just the team of last season for mm. no real reason yeah. and they just blitz them. They score early on and all of a sudden it's just, oh, this city, city are great again. If it's been the City performances of the last two or three months, I, I really think they're going to struggle. Even, mean, even if they play that new like, kind of arsenal shape. Yeah. How key is that midfield battle? Well, City need to get De Bruyne on the ball and they need to find him space somehow. I don't know how they're going to do that. I mean, it's like Sam was saying, if they play... So basically this year they've been worried about expo- leaving Rodri exposed, which has meant that they've not been able to... Um, the transitions haven't been as quick, basically. Um, and Gundogan or whoever else has been next to Rodri and it's been a little bit pedestrian, um, which I think I actually think he's going to revert back to that and have someone next to next to Rodri uh, on Saturday. 
And if they do that, I think they play into Leicester's hands quite a bit because Leicester have got some uh, very good players, including like Madison or whoever, that can put the foot on the ball and start teasing them out of position, which would be like a massive worry for them, really. I mean, at the start of you know the, the focus on this game, I was saying it was all about second place. Let, let's just sort of um, think about if City win, if City beat Leicester, and then they've got the Leicester Liverpool game on Boxing Day, for example, you know Leicester beat Liverpool. This is all in theory, and then suddenly that that lead doesn't look quite as healthy. I mean, look, I I, I, gave, I gave one the lead a good few weeks back, <laughs> but then it goes to seven points. I mean, yeah, yeah it it changes the complexion in a way. But you, crucially in all of this, you're relying in, on Liverpool slipping. Um, and if there's one thing you've seen with Liverpool in the last month, six weeks, is this consistency. I actually think their levels of performance have dipped off in the last month in terms of the results they've been getting. But what they are doing, which is worrying for, for Manchester City, is enough to win games, enough to just pick up points. The Watford game before they went away to the Club World Cup really wasn't a very good game. It was just too really excellent moments for Mo Salah where he just stuck the ball in the back of the net there was very little to, to report from that game if Watford hadn't had such a bad day at the office um, what's his name if, uh, Christian Cabaselli missed I think it was a highlight reel on match of the day of him missing five or six really easy chances but that's what Liverpool are getting right now City are not if there's to be any chance of City getting back into the title race it's going to take I would say they can't, they can't really afford to drop any points moving forward no. and they need to rely on something tripping Liverpool up and another one, Sam. Obviously, we mentioned Arteta being, you know, going to Arsenal. How much of a loss to City will he be? Because it's a bit of a weird thing, just having your, you know, your assistant just plucked away from you. Yeah, the thing is, I mean, I'm more, I'm more confident in saying, making a prediction about what he will do at Arsenal, and thinking, yeah, you know, he could do this for this reason. As for his loss at City, I don't know because he's obviously been important for Pep. He's close to the players. Uh, I kind of think it's more about the context of the season. You know, if this had been last season or the season before when things were going well. It's just easier as a footballer just to shake things off, isn't it? Oh, so-and-so's got injured. Well, it doesn't matter. We'll just keep going. Yeah. But now it's like, yeah. you know, 14 points behind. This hasn't gone our way. VAR hasn't gone our way. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is, things have got on top of the players. And now this is another thing. So, I don't know. I think psychologically, psychologically it might be a bit of a problem just because it's another negative thing to happen. In terms of the actual impact on the training ground, it's not ideal. But when there was the rumours about Rodolfo Burrell going as well, I thought that's going to be a big problem because all of a sudden Pep's going to have like no one on the training ground. He's going to turn around. He's going to be Brian Kidd, which is, isn't enough. But Burrell staying, it'll be steady enough. I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of impact it's going to have. I just think with the way the season's going, it's just another negative thing that City didn't need. Well, they might be better at set pieces now he's gone. Because yeah. <laughs> it, it was his job to sort set pieces out and they were hopeless or have been for the last 18 months. Yeah, so do you know what um, predictions for this game? I mean, it's, I think it's a really tough one to call. Really tough. What do you think, Fogel? I think whilst a lot of the attention will be on Everton against Arsenal because of the manager's situation, this is definitely the most exciting game of the weekend. Just because the players Leicester have got in their team, I expect them to score. But I think Pep and the players know, as, as I said a minute ago, that nothing really but a win against Liverpool, Leicester, Chelsea later on in the season will do if they want to have any chance of, of getting near Liverpool so I think City, I think Man City will win just Can I just, can I just ask quickly yeah. as, a, as a City fan would you take defeat against Leicester if it meant that Leicester beat Liverpool? <sighs> oh, you know, I, oh, I, just, I hate losing games <laughs> Oh God it's tough <laughs> I think I, Yeah Really? No, 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 no! I don't, I don't want to lose a game. No, I want to. Oh no, I don't want to. I don't want to lose a game. No, I just I hate the fall of a pool in the league. Uh, no, I wouldn't say defeat. No, 
No, no, I couldn't. It's tempting, but no. Yeah, because there's no guarantees Leicester are going to Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because no, yeah, yeah, that are not even not the no, trap City fans have been talking about it for a couple of weeks, yeah. to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. I, know, I know a few who, who would. Yeah, knowing my luck, then they go and get battered 4 0 on Boxing Day by Leicester, then. So, <laughs> uh, right, so we're going to be back very soon on uh, Football Social Daily uh, Premier League preview show. Uh, we're still going to be looking at the big game that I mentioned earlier on uh, Mourinho uh, taking on Chelsea. So it's going to be Spurs versus Chelsea. We're going to be looking at that and all the rest of the weekend's action on the way. Football Social Daily Premier League Update Sports Social Welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League Preview Show. Make sure you hit the subscribe or the follow button depending on how you listen. That's through Acast, Spotify, iTunes, so you can make sure you never miss an episode of Football Social Daily. So we are doing the Premier League Preview Show, looking ahead to this weekend's action in the Premier League. And I mentioned earlier on, it sounds like a bit like a Star Wars style plot. It's the uh, the Master versus the Apprentice. I read a, a stat earlier that Mourinho has never lost a game to uh, a manager that he's either worked for him or has played for him. So he's never lost a game before to anyone who's... Mm. Yeah, so so wow. is that going to change with ultimate, Lampard? Ultimate think? respect. Yeah, 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 you better not win. <laughs> uh, yeah, so obviously it's an interesting one. Uh, Jose Mourinho, uh, a kind of a, a, a strange start to his time at Spurs, I think, so far. Uh, very un-Mourinho-like in a lot of ways, in the sense that... He's being really nice to people. Yeah, he's being nice. Uh, he doesn't look too moody. and That's all part of it. The That's, all part, That's of all part of his long game. And the most, That's very Mourinho. And the strangest part is that the scoring goals. So, yeah. You know, interesting and conceding goals. So it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a weird one, I think. Um, Spurs, they're looking like they're doing all right under Mourinho. They're still finding the feet, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. Chelsea are going through a bit of a strange patch at the minute. Chelsea is like everyone's favourite second team at the moment, aren't they? As well, everyone seems to love Lampard and what he's doing and giving the youth a chance and everything. So I think it's been an interesting one. I mean, first and foremost, is there a bit of an issue at Chelsea at the moment? They're looking at their past results, one in five wins in all competitions, one in four in the Premier League. Yeah. Is it a bit of a and blip? The defeats have been bad as well, haven't they? Like West Ham at yeah. home. Bournemouth. I mean, they, they were quite good against City, but lost that. But yeah. on Bournemouth last weekend, I don't, know what's, I don't know what's going on with Chelsea. You know, you try and f- read a few Chelsea articles and find out what's going on, and people are saying about, you know, fatigue, and they've had 17 games in 77 days or whatever it was. But it's like, well, so, like, so many teams yeah. in the same position... I'm not sure why that necessarily would be a thing. I know a lot of like the coral that the team have played quite a lot, but again, in other circumstances, like I said about City, you know, losing Arteta now might be a negative thing because the players aren't playing so well. But last year, you know, all the players played every week and it was fine. I'm I'm really not sure what's happened to Chelsea. It's not like they've been found out. They don't, I don't think they've stopped creating any chances. It's not like they've started missing a load of sitters. I think in one game they missed five chances, which was mad. But by and large. It's the same team. Maybe it's a bit like Guardiola's first season, you know, when they won the first six games and Pep yep. was like, oh no, we're not that good, honestly. And everyone was like, oh no, you are great. And he was like, no, I'm telling you, we're going we're gonna to have problems. And they did have problems. Maybe it was that, you know, maybe Chelsea just were on a good run and now maybe they've not even just petered out because they've gone the complete opposite way. It, it, it's a weird one. I'm not, I'm not sure what's the matter with I think them. they have just reverted back to kind of how you would expect them to have gone this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had like, you know, if they'd won a game, lost a game, won a game, yeah. lost a game. It's just yeah. weird how it's all come in chunks. It, yeah, it's, it kind of has come in chunks and there's massive emphasis on players who haven't played that many games at this level. Like Abraham and, and Mount, there's enormous pressure on them to perform every week and I don't think you can expect that. I don't think it's fair to expect that. So it'd be interesting to see what they do next month with the money. Yeah, I mean... Because you're saying, like, sorry, you're saying that they're 
everyone's second second team at the moment. Yeah. They won't be when they sign Ben Chilwell <laughs> for eighty million quid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there seems to be you know when when they lost to Bournemouth, for example, if that had been any other so you know kind of let's say top four club, there'd have been a lot of raised eyebrows straight away, wouldn't they? I feel like with Lampard, he gets a lot of leeway. He does because and, as, and rightly so probably because he's got a lot of young players. Yeah, but as Jack said, the situation that they're in now, the results that they've had of late, are reflective of what we would have thought of them at the start of the season. If we were standing here saying, "Oh, they've got into knockout stage of the Champions League, they've hit a bit of a patch here, they've lost a game here, or the, the run's not great," that's really what's to be expected of a team with a lot of young players and a very young manager. And I think one of the things with them that I've seen this season, every time you have a team with a lot of young players, you have to focus on the system because you have to focus on no, it's it's for the greater good. You know, you need to have your role. You need to have your role. And sometimes, if everything isn't clicking, not to draw too much of a comparison to Man City, but you need an individual. You need a star man to to drive drive you on, get a goal, create a chance. City obviously have individuals to do that. Without Hazard at Chelsea anymore, yes, Abraham gets goals, but he gets goals because the function of the midfield gets the ball into him. Willian is able to pop the ball around the corner to make him run into the box. He's good at scoring goals from set pieces. There isn't somebody in that team that if the system isn't clicking into place and like Bournemouth did, are really organised against them, they, they squeeze the space, don't let them have time on the ball. You need someone that's able to just get it and beat two or three players and create something or stick it in the top corner. There was a little spell of form where Pulisic was doing that. He was brilliant against Burnley, but there isn't that level of consistency because we're dealing with very young players. It's an incredible thing to say to players that are late teens, early 20s, you need to do this every week. You need to be at this level or, or just underneath it every single week. It's an awful lot of pressure and it's a bit of an unrealistic expectation. I mean, what would go down as a good season for Chelsea, do you think? That's um, difficult because it's changed during the season, hasn't it? What do you reckon? Perception has changed because of the way they've started. Yeah, I think running any sort of running Europe from here is fine. I think they'd be happy with what they've done now. Uh fourth I think it'd be good yeah I think yeah. That'd be I think it'd be very good yeah. when you yeah. consider the other variables you know we've got Mourinho now at Chelsea you've got Klopp at Liverpool Guardiola at City I think it I think it will be very good It'll be, they'll be fourth or fifth won't they I think yeah um, and going back to what you were saying about Lampard before and the leeway he gets there's people kind of covering him who have known him a long long time and he's very personable yeah. so I think that buys you a, a degree of time and he'll get kind of another five, six months longer than maybe other people would if if performances do dip which I don't think they really have I think it's just as I said before I think they just hit their equilibrium really So from Lampard who's the uh, the apprentice as it were we go to the master <laughs> Mourinho who is uh, back in London he's obviously at Spurs and things are kind of like I mentioned before a little bit strange I, I don't quite understand I mean obviously I'd like to see him get a couple of transfer windows under his belt and see yeah. it and, and properly mould that team <clears> in his own kind of uh, image if you will um, but yeah I, I don't know it's an interesting one with Mourinho I, I, do, I feel like they'll get the result I feel like they'll beat Chelsea tomorrow just I think he'll have a little bit of know-how and a bit mm. of you know that experience that'll kind of push him through but interestingly you look at the um, sort of the, the response to how he's been. Like, see, he seems a lot more personal at the minute, and he seems kind of in a, in a good place himself. And I do think that's kind of going out onto the pitch and feeding to the players. Alderweireld's obviously signed a new contract, yep. which was the big question mark over him. They thought he was being linked with other clubs, weren't he? The Ericsson situation is also interesting because when Mourinho kind of joined Spurs, people were saying, "What's he going to do with Ericsson? Will he try and keep him? Is he going to play him? Is he completely sort of..." kind of wash his hands of him he's made it pretty clear quite quickly because the only game that he's um, started in one in seven was the Munich game 
So it's pretty obvious. I mean, he's got one of the I one of the best midfielders in the Premier League that is disposable, but he's just not going to play him. He never messes about. His first his first few weeks at United, um, he told Schweinsteiger to clear his locker out um, at Carrington, and he and he moved him to the under twenty three dressing room. So he's very kind of yeah, he's being quite jovial, isn't he, and in public and whatever else. But he he makes sure that he, he stamps his authority on it early. And Ericsson, if look, if Ericsson wants to go and Mourinho um, can pick a system and pick a team that doesn't need him, then he won't play him. Because he, if, he'll look at him and go, right, if you don't want to be here, then I don't need you now. In a similar way to kind of Schweinsteiger in the year before um, Mourinho joined, he wasn't even he was injured, but he wasn't even bothering watching the team, so he went more sodger. You're, yeah. not, you're not with us. I mean, what what do you make about Mourinho's comments um, after the Wolves game as well? Because he was he was kind of he was, he actually admitted they were really lucky to win. And yeah, was, I think they were. Yeah, they were definitely. Yeah. I mean, what what do you make of Mourinho and Spurs at the minute? I think at least you couldn't say with Spurs they've just gone on this this kind of winning artificial winning run. You know, like United had under Solskjaer, where it got so toxic under Mourinho. Like, it did, to be fair, it does seem now that. Oh, it does seem like anyone could have got those results. I don't know, maybe that's harsh, but yeah, it does seem to be how it's bared out over time. Um, it was kind of similarly toxic with Pochettino at the end, as much as everyone likes Pochettino and I like him. Um, but it's not like Mourinho's gone on this mad run where they're all just playing well because they're happy. It, it just seems like he's probably reverted them to a bit more like what we expected from Spurs anyway, probably more yeah. like what this squad should yeah. be. Winning... Winning certain games, but you know, probably not beating Bayern Munich in the Champions League. I mean, it's probably about right. That Wolves game is always going to be a difficult one. Um, yeah, they they weren't particularly good, and it could have gone a, a a different way on the day. But they they found a way to stay in it, and all of that. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily go looking for a load of positives out of it, but they did win, so fair enough. It's just, I think Mourinho's doing a he's doing a good job. You know, he's he's picked up a squad with a lot of good players in it. They've won more games than they've lost. They seem to be on the right path, and I'd said before they played a game from Mourinho that I thought it'd get them in the top four. And I don't know; it seemed that seems to be the way they're going. Uh, Fergal, where do you see this game being won? Uh, I think I think for me it's going to be a midfield situation. Yeah. I think um, you know Tottenham have got a lot of physicality in there. It seems that it, Chelsea. I don't know. Past couple of weeks with some of these results that haven't kind of gone their way, they looked a little bit frail at times. I think in in midfield. Yeah, and if the, if there's ever a manager in this sort of situation to to play on that and look to really really push home that advantage, it's someone like Mourinho. T- taken up on the Ericsson thing, I think it's telling the midfield that he's played both system and personnel about what he thinks about the situation with Ericsson. Generally, he's gone with uh, Sissoko, Eric Dyer, with Deli Ali just in front of them, and I think with Christian Ericsson, he looks at him and he goes, you know, Mourinho's never been an enormous fan of players of the style of Ericsson because of what he demands from his midfielders in terms of work rate and in terms of self-sacrifice. He looks at someone like Ali and sees the ability that Ali's got, but also, he, you know, he look, we, all, we all kind of said when Mourinho came in, he would take someone like Ali and drag every drop out of him. And that's what he's trying to do. How well that will go in future remains to be seen. But I think you're right in terms of this game, those three players, the way that Mourinho has them playing, there's a lot of physicality there. There's a lot of work rate, a lot of energy. And there does seem to be a bit of, a little bit of the air gone out of Chelsea. And I think that comes from, as I say, as, as we discussed before, the midfield. Mason Mount started the season brilliantly, was scoring goals. Everything he was doing was coming off. Little flicks around the centre of the pitch. He was he was getting on the end of things in the box. He was, he was able to link up with Abraham. That hasn't quite been the situation. Kovacic was starting to see 
the player that going back a few years Real Madrid bought of that he was able to drive from deep pass the ball get shots off score a few goals Jorginho knitting it together at the back of the midfield that seemed to have lost its way and when you've got a midfield like Tottenham that without Eriksen might not be the most creative but what they are is they're consistent they're hard working as I said there's a lot of power in there they'll look at this situation if, if after 15 minutes they sense that Mount isn't at it or Kovacic isn't able to find a man with a pass they'll just look to overpower them and if they do they've got Son Kane Lucas Moura who's hit a little bit of form they've got their players that will get goals on a far more consistent basis than Chelsea's front three I mean in terms of um, Chelsea as well we were saying before I know we were kind of messing about a bit about you know, everyone's favourite second team and they're going to go and spend a lot of money do you think they're going to do that? Is that is you, in your? Is no, or do you think they're going to? Because I think Lampard's kind of brought in this his own culture, his vision, and the the fans seem to love it. They seem to be embracing it. Does he just completely I think in a, ruin that? And, yeah, you know. I think they're in a great position in that it's probably gone better than they were expecting <laughs> yeah, yeah. with the young players. So actually, they don't. Yeah, they need to spend money, but they don't actually have to spend quite as much as they maybe thought to begin with, which means that instead of buying. I don't know, for argument's sake, five players over the next two transfer windows, maybe they'll only get three and spend a little bit more than they ordinarily would do on the individual players and get better uh, better fits and better players in than they would have done if they'd had to have bought a wider range. So actually, the way they've played, the way the Youngs players have played over the last few months and the kind of just the feel-good factor around the place that Lampard's brought um, stands them in quite good stead, I think. With the transfers, in that they they just don't have to do as much, quite as much as they thought. What do you make of it, Sam? Do you think they, they go back to the old Chelsea that we kind of always associate with the big money transfers? To be fair, they'd kind of. I know. I know they spent a bit of money on Pulisic anyway, and Kovacic was forty odd million. But they kind of got away from spending a load of money in the last few years anyway. And there was that January transfer window. It can't have been last year. Maybe it was the year before when they were looking like Barnes and Carroll and basically any. Oh, yeah physical striker that was going everyone was yeah. like is this really like what what are they doing now and it seemed like it really did seem like they were you know the Abramovich operation was kind of scaling back a bit so I, I guess I guess that'll be interesting in itself you know how much stomach for the fight have they got how much money do Chelsea will still want to put in because obviously the whole stadium thing that's gone away now it, doesn't their planning permission expire soon so that that looks like it's not going to happen so it's going to be interesting to see whether they think well it's actually going alright with Lampard so we might as well let him carry on without adding too much money. That's normally how businesses work, isn't it? You, you get rid of some things, and if it's still working, then you go, well, you're not going to put the money back in. You just let it go on. They might they might get somebody in, but I don't think they're going to go to like 2003, 2004 levels of buying really good players all over the place, I don't think. I just think that that old Chelsea is... It's gone a bit, I think. Yeah, and I think I think like, you know to pick up what you were saying, Jack. I think like you know the 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 way he's promoted the, the youth players into the first team, kind of out of necessity, really. He's got three or four players there that are top level Premier League players mm. potentially. He, he would probably cost you 30, 40, 50 million quid. Like if you want to buy someone of the same ability, they're going to you know he's he's essentially brought in three or four players there and saved the club maybe two hundred million quid potentially. Well, uh, particular. I mean, everyone we all talk about kind of your mounts and Abrahams and whatever, but. Tamori's probably been the biggest, maybe the biggest success story yeah. in that that was a real problem area for them. And now you've got a kid in there who you would expect to to remain at the club for the foreseeable future and looks a hell of a player. Yeah, and Reese James as well has done, yeah. done well when he's coming in. He's yeah, looked, yeah. looked a good player. Uh, how do we see the game going tomorrow, Fergal? 
Uh, <clears throat> I think it's going to play exactly into Mourinho's hands. I think his record, what was it that he said before, that he's never lost a game to someone he's worked with. Yeah. I, I, I can see that record being kept up. I just think he's not exactly set the world alight and Sam's dead right. I know he was laughing about it before, but all this nicey-nicey, you know, chatting to ball boys and, you know, <laughs> not screaming at the players. I can't see that lasting too long. <laughs> but whilst the go- thing with Mourinho, whilst the going's good, it tends to be quite good. And I think they'll they'll have enough to win this game and, and there'll be a few questions asked about Chelsea, but I don't think they're, they're too far off where they need to be. But you would expect Tottenham to have just enough. Speaking of ball boys, you remember that ball boy that when Bristol City beat United in the League Cup a couple of years ago yeah. and Lee Johnson spun this ball boy around his head or whatever <laughs> I had to stay, WWF style. <laughs> I was at that game and I had to stay in Bristol after the match and stay the next day to go and find the ball boy and interview him <laughs> which was a career low <laughs> somebody mentioned that the other day at <laughs> did they? you had to do it yeah. <laughs> was he alright though? Uh, he was a kid, so he didn't say a lot. Oh, did he? He was about eight. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he'd just been put in a wrestling move by Lee Johnson. So yeah, but I imagine his head was a bit spun. Uh, so um, how do you see the game going? I think Chelsea might get some it. Really? Yeah, I think they might get a point. Because I, I don't think Tottenham are playing brilliantly. Um, and I think Chelsea have got enough on, on the break um, to nick a goal or two. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not even sure how the game's going to look. Normally, I can be yeah. like, well, this is how it's going to be. No, I know and, exactly what you mean. But, then, but I don't know who's going to dominate. I don't know who's going to have the better chances on the counter-attack. I really don't know. To be fair, the way you know the way Jack put it there is hard to argue with. I was leaning towards Spurs towards the game before, before Jack said that, to be fair. I'll stick with Spurs. But yeah, I, I don't know how it's going to look. I don't know how it's going to look. And he's right. Spurs haven't looked great. They look better than they were, but not great. Chelsea can't keep... They can't keep losing, can they? Surely not. <laughs> I don't they've got, know. They have got. They have got. This is what I mean. Going back to the start of the, the conversation, I don't. I don't know what's happened to them. They can't mm. have just fallen off a cliff. So oh yeah, they could well. It could well be a really entertaining game, and both teams will come out of it looking quite good. Maybe that's how it will go. But if I had to pick, I'd go. Spurs just about yeah so yeah that we'll have to see if uh, if uh, Mourinho can keep his record up uh, against Lampard uh, as uh, Spurs take on Chelsea also a couple other games as well happening uh, in the uh, Premier League this weekend Aston Villa taking on Southampton at Villa Park this is, Do you this, is, this one? Well, thanks very much. Uh, <laughs> it is Christmas, you know. I didn't get you anything. You give me this. Yeah, there you go. Um, Put a nice bow on that for you. <laughs> Villa, Villa have had quite a few problems uh, of late. The, the Sheffield United result last weekend, I think that was a little bit of a measuring stick, not just of how both sides have adapted to the Premier League, but how they're able to react in certain situations. Sheffield United weren't great for the first hour, but they had those two chances with John Fleck and bang, bang, goal second goal and I think with Villa they're only out of the goal, out of the relegation zone on goal difference and it's Southampton that, that's keeping them afloat Southampton it's such a strange one of they obviously were in the doldrums after that hammering by Leicester then there was a little bit of a fight back they got two two ones at home and they, they came back against Norwich and the, you know there seemed to be a little bit of a spark being lit underneath them but that then got extinguished last weekend so I think there's big problems for, for both sides. I think Villa do have the better players. They've got the, the more creative players like some McGinn and Grealish and Wesley starting to knock in a few goals. But I just think in terms of experience, Southampton might have players that will be able to shut Villa out. I think, I think I'd probably go for a draw in this one. Villa you'd expect to have a bit more of the ball, carry a bit more of a threat, but Southampton got a few canny operators that their brief will be just don't lose this game. 
I mean, I'd say it was interesting. Villa, one of them teams where I'd sort of not really focused on that much the past couple of weeks. And there's always that one team that really just slips into, you know, around Christmas, you think, oh. And the fact they're only just that relegation through goal difference, I do worry for them now, actually. Start of the season, I thought they'll be all right. They've got enough. They spent quite a lot of money in the mm-hmm. summer. I thought, you know, Dean Smith had them playing all right football. They had enough quality, but I've seen a bit of a decline. Well, they were doing really well at the start of the season, but were, the points weren't reflecting how well they were playing. Mm. They kept getting leads and then not being able to hold on to them. I do wonder in May if they were to go down, then they'd look at the first like kind of six to eight weeks and go, that's that's what's done for us, really. Because you see it all the time yeah. with promoted teams, don't you? And that they can like they rush to 20 points yeah. and then you can't, you're halfway there already, aren't you? Yeah. And then you've got like you've got three quarters of a season almost to go and get twenty draws. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Villa, unfortunately for Villa, they've they've not been in that position. I they, think I think what they were getting at the start of the season to, to follow on from what Jack was saying is they were getting a lot of praise from opposition managers who were getting points off them. So when they were winning one nil and it ended up as a draw, opposition managers praising Smith, praising the players. That's what they were getting because they were getting these, as you say, these glorious draws of like, oh, you know, if we could get two points, you know, two points would be fair when it's like, no, the Premier League doesn't work like that. Yeah. It's, it's one point and count yourself lucky. And they need to learn those lessons for the second half of the season or they're going to be in big trouble. So you can, are you going for Southampton win? Draw. Or draw. draw. No, I'm sticking with draw. What do you think, Jack? Uh, Villa. Yeah, Sam? Yeah, I think Villa. Villa. Next up, we've got Bournemouth versus Burnley as well. Um Okay, again, two two teams that you can never oh. quite work out. Whose you... Christmas present is this going to be? For? Um, <laughs> Jack, what do you yeah. reckon? Merry Christmas, man. <laughs> yeah, Jack, Jack <laughs> well, what do you make of this? T- again, the two teams that I can't quite figure out. It's, it's difficult. You don't know who's going to what. What team's going to turn up? I mean, I can tell you what team, what Burnley team will turn. Up. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the exact same one as most people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but how they're going to play? Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. What they're going to do? How they're going to set up? And it could go either way for me. This one. Yeah, I always find with Burnley that they either control midfield or get overrunning midfield because they play 4-4-2 if Cork and Westwood aren't at it as a two then they really struggle but if they play well then they're able to they can impose themselves on the game and get results and then Bo- I mean Bournemouth are just like Jekyll and Hyde a little bit aren't they you don't know what don't know what you're going to get I mean they've been really they've really suffered with injuries you kind of feel sorry for them because I don't think it's the biggest squad in the in the world but it's funny when you do kind of shows like this and you get asked about Bournemouth the default is always to say, "What a great job Eddie Howe's done," <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he has played some great football. I know, and he has, and it's but you don't lovely like, guy. You don't yeah. really know where what a, like, what a guy. don't really know what Bournemouth should be because they have spent quite a lot of money. Yeah, so I don't know whether I wonder whether some Bournemouth fans will say we're probably underperforming for. for and they were good last be. season, weren't they? Yeah, but then again with the injuries, and the injuries yeah. are ridiculous. I, mean, like, I, I don't know what Eddie Howe's done in a past life. It's it's madness. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I'll just see it going. What's the result? Oh, um, Bournemouth. Yeah. Just Sam. Mm, Burnley. Just oh, Virgil. Bournemouth. Just oh, it's it's just. close. Oh, yeah, uh, honestly, like none of us have got any. None of us actually have a clue. He's it, 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 such an hard one to call. Uh, Brighton are uh, hosting Sheffield United this weekend as well, uh, which could be quite an interesting game. I think. I, I, you know, I think uh, Sheffield United have been the surprise package, aren't they, this season in the Premier League? So, uh, Sam, do you want to take this one? Yeah, yes, well, yeah. A lot. Of, to be fair, a lot of people would have said, a lot of people who watch Sheffield United would have said, it's not been a surprise. But I mean, to, even so, you know how they were going to play and that it was a success. But to be up there, you know, fifth, sixth in the, in the Premier League at this stage is a surprise. I don't care what anyone says. Um, they look great. Um, as Fergal was saying with that game last week against Villa, they can change it in the game. It was highlighted quite well on Match of the Day actually. 
they were quite conservative and Fleck was quite conservative in the mm. first half but obviously he was told in a half time go and get yourself into those areas and he did and he scored so there's there's that kind of element from Wild obviously they were a fantastically well coached team um, there's all the cliches about them you know a good a good stadium to play at as well when the fans are behind them but they're that well coached they could go to somewhere like Brighton and, and still come all, away from it alright but again Brighton are starting to show you know they've they've had the months to settle in and get used to what Graham Potter wants. He's got that new contract, which was a bit mad, but fine. They're kind of going in the right direction, at least. Two well-coached teams, two teams that don't score an awful lot of goals. Um, Neil Mopé is obviously doing really well for Brighton. He's got seven now. I think, I think so, he's got, six or seven. He's got yeah, one he's in the last, good. scored in each of the last three games, something like that. So I haven't researched this beforehand, honestly. <laughs> um, I honestly haven't, um, so I might be wrong. But yeah, they don't score a lot of goals, but they're both, they're both quite interesting teams. I can see that Burnley-Bournemouth game being terrible, but I can see this game being close, but much better to watch and yeah. much more interesting. Um, but I don't know which way it's going to go. I Sheffield lo- United, I would say, but they just don't they don't always score, do they? No, I love watching Sheffield United. I've been mm. like two or three times to Bramall Lane this season. It's just that exciting. And there's an element of you that you, you just want them to do well because they're doing things a little bit differently. Mm. Um, and we got our... We got our Christmas road through yesterday with our matches for Christmas and I've got Sheffield United twice and I'm actually quite looking forward to yeah. it that sounds really nerdy but <laughs> <laughs> how do you see it going what's the result I think Brighton will beat them actually do you think yeah yeah. it's one of those because perform- Sheffield United perform so well in games where you wouldn't expect them to do well and I think it's one of those yeah. where it gets flipped and yeah. people actually think they might get a result and then they perform yeah. not quite as well as and that's how do. you end up falling out of the top positions isn't it when you lose yeah. games where expectations the, starts to go when the people, other way. when yeah. people aren't looking it's like oh Sheffield United lost this weekend but you know when they're playing Arsenal at home United at home they'll be really good so, yeah. yeah Virgil um, I'm going to sit on the fence go for a draw, draw. I think as, as Sam said Brighton have got people like Morpai Aaron Connolly's back fit they've, they've got goals in that team Sheffield United's issue and I've said this quite a few times is the strikers are not scoring David McGoldrick still hasn't scored this season he's played really well at least Moise has got a few but they're still like they're still relying on Sharp off the bench or Ollie McBurney off the bench but what they have got as Sam said with, with Fleck is they've got an ability where Wilder's confident in how clinical they are that he can just say two or three times second half just go beyond the striker get me a goal and then don't do that again get back yeah. in position and, and we'll win this 1-0 and I think Brighton have got the better forwards without being superstar forwards that will get them a goal but I just Sheffield United won't give in you would imagine someone will fall for them could be a set piece could be someone working off McGoldrick and they'll get a goal so yeah I, I go for one all At St James's Park we've got Newcastle versus Palace as well um, I mean Another thriller Yeah Fergal I'll, right give you, me, I'll, I'll give you this one but, but in all Palace have begun they've been uh, you can just never get a handle on it This is bad this Yeah is bad. this I mean They don't create chances Neither this is this could be <laughs> this could be an absolute nightmare of a game to watch. <laughs> Palace are they're just retreating and retreating and treating into more and more of a defensive team. Last season their big thing was that they were very organised and they they got loads of uh, clean sheets in comparison to the position in the table that they were in. This season that's kind of not quite fallen by the wayside, but they're not as tight at the back. And they offer so little going forward. The, the Monday night game against Brighton last weekend, uh, last week, sorry, was was really, really, really bad from Crystal Palace point of view. They got a bit lucky with a late goal. Um, and I just look at this situation and think, if we're worried about where the goals are coming from for Sheffield United, we definitely should be worried about where Crystal Palace's goals are coming mm. from. Um, as for Newcastle, again, to steal a bit of a cliche of Jack, another Jekyll and Hyde side, 
when they turn it on, they've got promise. Obviously, the Man City game, not to be opening any old wounds. We've seen that they have got a bit of fight and they have got a bit of goal-scoring threat, but there's injuries for them at the moment. John Joe Shelby's potentially out this weekend. Same with Miguel Almiron. Alan St. Maximin's out until the new year. So they need someone to fill in for a few weeks and get them enough goals so that they don't go into the new year on the back of losing two, two or three games. I'm going for Newcastle in this just because I I do not see Crystal Palace scoring away from home. It's crazy about Palace as well. Like the ninth, the two points behind Sheffield United and three points behind Spurs. Completely different perception there. Isn't yeah, it? it's it's crazy how a team can play like that, but yet they're still so high up in the league. So you're going for... Um, Newcastle. Newcastle. A narrow one, but yeah, yeah, Newcastle. Jack? I saw Newcastle last week at Burnley. Oh my God. <laughs> they're a different beast at St. James's. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's a bit the different. The worst 45 minutes football I've ever seen. Ever witnessed first wow. half. Trademark? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was what but I yeah, I'd nil nil <laughs> against Palace. Yeah, that, that was what I was gonna say. Nil, Could you get a minus one, one minus one? one. Yeah. I, feel, I, don't, I don't want to push three anymore. Sendings off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I didn't want to push Jack anymore on that because you look genuinely distraught of having to watch that game. Uh, Samuel for a draw. Yeah, nil nil. Yeah. Not and, even a draw. No right. goals. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Uh, um, got Norwich versus Wolves as well. Um Ooh. Sam, do you have a take a take this one? Uh yeah, Wolves. Wolves are still good. They're obviously unfortunate to 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 not win last week or not even get a point. Um, but that brought that winning run, sorry, the unbeaten run to win. I know there was a few draws thrown in there, but the fact you talk about, you, you were saying about Villa earlier on, and you notice, oh God, they're right down there. I was in this studio a couple of weeks ago. I was, hold on, Wolves are fifth. I think it was after the United, Sheffield United game. I was, how have they done this? Um, but they're really good. They, des- they deserve it. I'm glad, because at the start of the season, a lot of they were really struggling. I'm glad they've they've sorted it out. I think I do think they have they still have that variety. I saw a bit of analysis the other day that said, you know, they, they can't control games that well with the midfield they've got. But I thought the whole thing about last season was they brought Dendonka in and it helped them control games that they were expected to control because mm. you've got Neves uh, and Moutinho in there as well. I, I, I'd still go with that. Um I still think they've they've got the consistency enough about them to bounce back. And they're not so much a team like Sheffield United where they could go and and lose a stupid game. I know they did that last year. I think they're better now. Norwich, they've shown a bit of fight recently, and Pucky's come back to life a bit. But I'm still, I'm still thinking Wolves. I'm still think, I think Wolves can not just win that game on the counter attack. I think if they wanted to, they could control that game, play quite well, and win it. Yeah, I, feel, I can see him being quite comfortable in that game. Yeah, yeah. Do you think the same? Yeah, Jack? I think Wolves will beat. Yeah, really yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I agree with Sam. Let's let's not be burying Wolves just because they conceded an added time goal against Mourinho's Tottenham. I still think they're an excellent side and they'll have enough to win. And then we've got a game on Sunday uh, to uh, wrap us up for today. Watford versus Man United. Um, Jack, t- t- this one, mate. I'll just hear this going again. I I don't even know where to begin with this. Yeah. So. Well, worryingly for United that Watford will let them have the ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying for United. I'd say. So I don't. <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to go, really. Um, yeah. If Watford played the, like they did at Anfield, they'd be all right. Yeah. Yeah. They just United need someone def- that can stick the ball in the net. United definitely look livelier or have looked yeah. livelier in the last few weeks. Um, Rashford's like really taken responsibility mm. in the last six weeks or so. Um, I think, yeah, I think United will get a result, but not by a lot. It's going to be tight. I mean, the thing is, with United, it must be frustrating for a United fan when you see them playing the way they did against, against City, certainly the first 20 minutes. 
you know, and they got that attacking football. It was free flowing, bags of pace going forward. <clears throat> and, and my mate, who I was watching that game, and he's a United fan. He just went, "Why do you play like this all the time?" <coughs> and I went, "I know it's not as simple as that." He said, "But we've never seen this season, other than that game, actually do that and take the, you know, take the game by the scruff of the neck, as it were, and just go for teams." And you think to yourself, they're playing a, a team that's far, well, not far inferior, but inferior in terms of the quality of players. Why are they not doing that? Because they did it when when Solskjaer yeah. took over. We saw him do that at times, didn't we? But they've just not had that moment where they clicked. But that's definitely been a situation for them this season. As, as Jack said, they, they don't look comfortable being the team that's in dominating possession. They don't look like being the team that's being told to go and be the ideas of this game and be the creativity. And I think when you go back to the derby, that was the perfect game for them in that sense. They knew City would have the majority of the ball. They knew City were the favourites. Yes, they forced the issue and, and, and they played well in patches. But against someone like Watford, I can almost see one of the Watford players booting out for a throw-in from kickoff and saying... Come and break us, come you know, come and break us down. Mm. And yeah, United have got a lot of good players and creative players, but so many of them players are based on the space that they can run into. The likes of James, Rashford, Martial, even even Lingard. They they need that little bit of space to kind of run in behind a defender or a defensive midfielder. Against Watford, even at home, they'll be really compact, really tight. Nigel Pearson's brief is is clear. Get them out of relegation trouble. He won't be looking to you know stray too far away from that. And I think when you put United in that situation, and as you've just said, and this kind of permeates from the fans onto the pitch of why you're not why you're not winning this game. You know, you, we're better individual players, we're a better side. Why are we not doing this? Why are we not doing this? And that's the big question mark. No one knows that. No one knows why United, whether it's a whether it's a mental thing, whether it's a tactical thing, why they're not able to look at inferior opposition and go, we should just see this off. This should just be three points in the bag. Thank you very much. Go home. That's that's a real real question mark that, that they're not able to get past at the moment. I'll just see it going. Draw. Score draw. Yeah. What about you, Sam? I wouldn't be surprised at all if Watford won. But it's just, it's just a finishing. Yeah. It's Pearson's first game it's at home for them. The thing as well. is, I was saying this about Norwich, and I think, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Watford won't feel any obligation. Sometimes a team at home will feel an obligation to go and attack. But I think Pearson, first game at home, yeah. he kind of needs to be like, look, lads, this is what we're doing. This is how we're going to play. This is how we're going to get out of it. Yeah. So I don't care if we're playing at home. We stay disciplined. I don't and see them being any different than they were at Anfield. But then it's just. Yeah, but then it, it might just come back to the same thing against Anfield. Rashford might take a chance mm. that Ismail Assar misses, or De La Feo misses. It might come down to that. So, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised at all, though, if Watford nicked it. I wouldn't be surprised at all with that. Maybe that's a victory for the narrative in me, but I just think they, that could definitely happen. Yeah. So what do you think the game of the weekend's going to be? Ooh. For excitement, it's got to be... Man City Leicester. Yeah. I'll be like I'll 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 give up on football if it's if it's if it's Norwich Crystal Palace. If that's five all and nothing happens in Man City Leicester, I'm, I'm done. What's the game of the weekend? Going? I, th- I think Tottenham Chelsea might be. Mm, I agree. What do you reckon, Sam? I think City Leicester. Yeah. I think that'll be into it. Yeah. So well, whatever happens, it's going to be an exciting uh, weekend be the winner. Uh, for football. I reckon <laughs> in the Premier League. That's a lot from us. Don't forget to get the very latest on your team via Amazon Alexa Premier League updates. Ask your device to enable sports social and just pick your team. Uh, thanks to Fergal. Thanks very much. Thank you, Jack. Nice one, cheers. Ah, nice one, Sam. Cheers. Right, OK. That's it from Football Social Daily Premier League weekend preview show. We'll see you soon. Football Social Daily Premier League updates. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.